Shalom, this is Rabbi Thomas Davis Hart from Beth Elohim Messianic Synagogue with a teaching on Yeshua Says, I Am the Way. Text is John 14, 6 right now. And Yeshua saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So I saw a billboard one day that simply proclaimed that Yeshua is the way. That was in quotes. We all recognize this phrase, and those who are true believers, as defined by Yeshua in the book of Revelation, interpreted in the light of his definition. Unfortunately, this phrase is generally directed toward the unsaved that are not biblically literate enough to understand the implications of trusting Yeshua as, quote-unquote, the way to reconciliation with our Creator. On the other hand, if a person is biblically literate, they understand this phrase is not a standalone statement, but it's qualified by other scriptures relating to the subject. Unfortunately, for those who are biblically illiterate, it conveys an entirely different message than Yeshua intended and leads to a life of destruction. This phrase becomes more important for what is not said than what is said when presented as it was on the billboard because it leaves a false impression. So. As this thought pervaded my mind, I immediately contrasted this message with the scripture in John 10.1 that states, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So then I began thinking about the meanings of way and door. A practical application of the terms is used by most people We'll see a contrasting message in the two texts. First, way. When we read from the perspective that is most often implied by those seeking to convert the quote-unquote unsaved, seems to suggest that the person of Yeshua tangibly, and I emphasize the word tangibly, incorporates all that is needed to arrive at eternal life. That is, our intellectual and emotional acknowledgement of him results in salvation. However, this message is flawed terribly because James tells us that even the demons believe in Yeshua and tremble. And we all know that they're doomed to perdition. Therefore, belief in and of itself will not qualify us for eternal life. The concept of a door, on the other hand, indicates that we consciously apprehend an entrance way, door, as a means of access to achieve a given objective. When we resolutely enter in and find ourselves beyond the door, we pursue our objective, which was the initial reason for entering. For instance, if it is to go in to lie down, we lie down. If to get a book, we get a book. Whatever it is, we follow up with some action to achieve our reason for entering. Therefore, if Yeshua is the door, there follows an action or actions that we must pursue to obtain our objective once we pass through the door. These were the thoughts that are the genesis of this message. So let's go back to the text. Yeshua is here addressing the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, and he's criticizing them because they have perverted scripture and promoted a false way to God, that of obeying man's traditions instead of God's Torah, which includes actions, which includes a loving obedience following his commands. I want to ask you, when you heard or read tracts that proclaimed Yeshua is the way to God, 
that is before you became literate of the biblical plan of salvation, what impression did it leave on your mind? Please think about it earnestly for a while and take note of exactly what reactions it incites in you. Then take this statement coupled with all the other one-liners you heard such as, number one, Yeshua died for your sins. Number two, he took the penalty of God's wrath upon his own shoulders. Number three, he paid your debt. Number four, the law is nailed to the cross. And number five, confess him and be saved. Does this not sound all-inclusive, leaving you with the thought that all you have to do is acknowledge Yeshua and you are eternally saved? So, I really think most of you would agree that this is exactly the impression you may have had. It's a comforting message and involves security of assurance with no part on your uh, end for responsibility other than believing. You might have even responded to such a message with a heartfelt gratitude, happiness, and feelings of elation. But does an emotional reaction guarantee a changed life? After the initial reaction wore off, did you find yourself still anxious and questioning? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. And finally, will such a confession bring us under the covering of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit? Now, I feel that such simplistic one-liners do a disservice to the sinner, for it never addresses the real condition sinners are in, nor do they address accountability. Far worse, they fail to give us the complete plan of salvation, of not only trusting in Yeshua's faithfulness, not our own, but also living by the standards of God's Torah. Even if some emphasis is given to that subject, it's preferential at best and always relativist, and for those who may be struggling to understand what relativist means, it's defined as any theory of knowledge, truth, morality, etc., holding that criteria of judgment may vary with individuals and their environments. Now, because these simplistic one-liners are one-sided messages, the same response Yeshua delivered in John 10:1 to the Pharisees of his day is also appropriate for us when addressing our modern-day Pharisees. These messages that approach salvation in such a simplistic way, by their omission of observing, that means obeying out of love, God's Torah, that's his instructions, along with trusting in the faithfulness of Yeshua, has also co-opted God's plan of salvation by presenting a perversion of it. In John 10, 7 through 10, we read, Then said Yeshua unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. John 10, 8 says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, I want us to take particular notice of the word door in verse 9. I may be reiterating here, but I want all of you to understand. Experientially, we all know what a door is. It's an entrance way, an egress, an opening that one may go through to arrive at a place beyond it. A door is a means of access and may be used metaphorically, as in the sentence, quote, Torah is the door to successful living, unquote. Now contrast that with the dictionary de definition of way, a method, plan, or means for attaining a goal, such as to find a way to reduce costs. 
Yeshua said, I am the way and the door to eternal life. If we understand the words correctly within the context they're giving, Yeshua is saying to us, he is the door we must open to find the way to God. Yeshua, by the way, is God. Yahshua means God saves. And the tetragrammaton for God, yod heh vav -Hey, means in the Paleo-Hebrew, hand behold, nail behold. So we see Yeshua in God's name. He is one and the same. Opening the door does not end the journey, but gives us access and the avenue whereby we ascend to God by living as he instructed us. It's not the end of the trip, but the beginning. Yeshua was a Torah observant Jew. Whether you like that or not. He lived Torah to its completeness. He is the model we are to emulate. That's what worship means, to follow, to emulate, to love. He never abrogated Torah. On the contrary, he said, not one jot or tittle shall pass from the Torah until there is a new heaven and earth. Now, it's profitable for us to read this passage, starting at Matthew 5.18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Him coming down and being executed on the execution stake did not abrogate his father's laws. That, that doesn't even make sense. Whoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, for those that might be hung up on the word translated fulfilled in verse 18, let me say that the Greek word from which it is translated is genomai, means to be brought into being or brought to pass. The only way to understand this passage is that Torah is valid, binding, and alive until the old heaven and earth pass away and a new heaven and earth are brought forth replacing them. Well, the last time I looked, we're still living on a hurting and decaying planet filled with sin and disorder. And for those who are interested in when God will replace this old earth and heaven, the book of Revelation will tell you when a new heaven and earth will be brought forth. In retrospect, we agree that Yeshua is the way by reason of his example, and we cannot discover the way until we step through the door that is Yeshua and receive the covering of the Holy Spirit, or Ruach HaKodesh. It's a two-step process, not one of merely acknowledgement and confession. If we fully understand, we will see that living within God's standards, His Torah, as did Yeshua, is the process whereby we receive eternal salvation after having entered through the door, that is Yeshua. We must resist easy, non-accountability Christianity, for it is the avenue to destruction. We must not allow simplistic scriptural phrases taken out of context to corrupt our understanding and miss the mark. Be on guard. Understand scripture rightly, dividing the word, and step through the door of opportunity to the most exciting adventure of your life on the way. Amen. <clears throat> if you have any questions, comments, suggestions for things you would like me to talk on in the future, please visit our website at rabdavis.org and click on the link Ask the Rabbi, and I will be more than happy to uh, answer those concerns or questions or suggestions. Shalom.